Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. So you're either in warm weather or like a lot of the United States, you're in cold weather. And here in Pittsburgh, it is snowing. But I just told my guest before the show, I am one of those that like snow and do not mind cold weather. So for me, it's A-OK. And before we start, a special shout out to my listeners in Ireland. You know, I'm heard at seven different countries, but Ireland, you got it going on. I mean, I don't know what you're doing there, but uh, thank you for such great following. I mean, I really appreciate it. And of course, anyone else in any other countries like Japan, thank you also. And also, a special thanks to my sponsors, Highmark, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, the lead sponsor of this radio show, and AudioEye. So thank you. Thank you so much. It, It means so much to me. And A special shout-out to my good friend, Yoshiko Dart. Yoshiko, always thinking of you and Justin, always will be. Well, Aaron said before, my engineer said, let's get ready to rock and roll on this show. And with my guest today, I have no doubt that we are going to rock and roll. I love this woman. Uh, From when I first met her, I liked her. And every time she speaks... I love her sense of humor, and at the same time, as I told her, she is an executive at a major corporation, the chair of the USBLN, and a national disability rights leader. Welcome to the show, Jenny Leigh-Fleury. My goodness. Thank you, Joyce. Can you do all my introductions in future? It's, it's kind of humbling. Thank you so much for having me. You can take me around with you. Uh, and Jenny, by the way, is the Chief Accessibility Officer at Microsoft. So many people contacted me before this show. They were so excited that Jenny was going to be on because she is so well known in the accessibility world. And that is so important to all of us living with disabilities. So let's begin, Jenny, by you telling our listeners what is a chief accessibility officer and what do you do at Microsoft? I love the first question. So chief accessibility officer, we we, we shorten it here to CAO um, or Jenny. I I much prefer Jenny. Um, But the, I mean, the the basic role that I have here at Microsoft is to drive the inclusion of people with disabilities, to drive accessibility and the inclusion of accessibility into our culture, into the fabric of the company. Um, So I have a, a wonderfully a uh, small but beautifully formed team, uh, and we sit in the corporate uh, division within Microsoft, but we work across the company with hundreds of folks uh, across our products, across our marketing, across our HR teams, 
working on the inclusion of accessibility and disability. And so it's things like if we're looking at the next version of Windows, what are the, what's the next great crazy thing that we can get after? Um, as well as looking at hiring programs and how we can build the base of people with disabilities in the company. Uh, so, wow, that's very exciting. Um, and I have to ask you one question while we're talking about this. Is it difficult to find people with that skill? I'm talking about people to work in digital accessibility uh, or, or not. You know, I think digital, well, personally, I think accessibility is kind of cool. Uh, in fact, I think it's insanely cool. So if you haven't been considering it as a career and, and any of the listeners out there um, are like, what's that? Go and look into it because it is a, an, a career that you can really make an impact with. I mean, you can make a difference in people's lives through this avenue. I, you know, I, I will say many years ago, people, people said, hey, if you post jobs, uh, there's a ton of talent out there. And I will say there's not as much as I want. Um, and there's a lot of great reasons for that. Accessibility isn't holistically taught um, in colleges and universities today and needs to be. Um, so I think we need to do a better job of building the pipeline. But there are some, there's some crazy talent out there. And uh, you know, we're fortunate to have a lot of it at Microsoft. But there's, you know, I'm, we're not the only company. There's a lot of other great people out there too. And I want to echo what Jenny said. As you all know, my life is all about uh, recruitment and employment of people with disabilities. This is a really uh, growth area. And as Jenny said, if you're listening, I would really recommend that, as she said, you do research about accessibility um, and this whole area because you will not, as we move forward and as companies finally start getting this right, there will be a plethora of opportunity. And most importantly, what does people say to me? I want a job where I make an impact. Well, there you go. As Jenny just said, you will make an impact. And Jenny, a question I ask a lot of people who I consider disability rights leaders is, you know, there are other people around the world and in the United States who work in the area of accessibility, but not everyone is so involved, like in the USBLN and speaking at different places about the importance of accessibility. I mean, you have really taken a stance. So many people know you because of how passionate you are about this. So my question is, why is that? Hmm. Um, oh my goodness, how long we got, Joyce? Uh, I, I, can, I can answer that one for, for days. I, the, the bottom line, I mean, it, some of this is no-brainer and, and your audience knows this, but forgive me for, for repeating it. I mean, <laughs> There are over a billion people with disabilities around the world. I'm one of them. Um, you're one of them. Um, and I think we have a responsibility uh, to really ensure that what we do uh, empowers everyone, including people with disabilities. So I, you know, my path into this world, I, I didn't sit there at college saying I'm going to be an accessibility uh, person. That, that wasn't my career goal. I actually went to music school and I was a classical clarinetist. I was going to be in an orchestra or a, 
or a rock band. I couldn't figure out which route to take. Um, or I was going to be a music therapist. Those were really the things that I was toying with, you know, 20 years ago. Um, and I, I never had the forethought that I would end up here. But in actual fact, it's my parents reminded me over the, the holidays. Um, where I've ended up is exactly where they thought I would, um, which is in a job that's kind of nerdy, um, that uh, gets to work across a variety of different people. And truly, I, I, I get every day to use my curiosity. I learn something new every day. Um, and I get to use that to make a difference. Um, and so I, I get stupidly passionate about this space because I see a massive customer segment that's underserved. I see an unemployment rate that's criminal. And I, I do think that, you know, given my now nerdy background, that technology can make a difference here. Um, we've just got to harness it and get people educated into it. Um, and a lot, of, a lot more besides that. But I, I just see this massive opportunity ahead of us, and I want to get after it. And I think that's maybe where some of the passion comes from. That and I drink a lot of tea, and I do think that caffeine um, can spark passion. Um, and for any British person, it's a very important part of life. Um, so I think that also comes with it. Um, but I do think the opportunity is what leads us. Well... It's so often that it's personal, just as you said, uh, but but it's also so necessary. And you know, a reason a lot of people don't get to use it is because of what you said, because they are not employed. Uh, and as my listeners know, I too think it is criminal and shameful that people with disabilities, here we are, ADA signed in 1990. And 70% of Americans with disabilities are still not counted in the workforce. That is absolutely shameful. And we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. Right now, we're going to go to break, and then we'll be back with Jenny Flurry, Chief Accessibility Officer at Microsoft. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Hi, I'm Rick Harrison from Podstars. I'm here to talk to you about the Epilepsy Foundation. I had bad seizures until I was a teenager. I thought I wouldn't have a chance to grow up, but I dared to think differently. My epilepsy taught me to be a fighter. When I said I wanted to make a TV series about my pawn shop, people thought I was nuts. But I dared to defy the odds, and Pawn Stars was born. If you have epilepsy, dare to live your fullest potential. The Epilepsy Foundation will help you dare. Visit epilepsy.com. 
Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1-866-472-5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back, everyone. And we are talking today to Jenny Leigh Flurry, Chief Accessibility Officer at Microsoft. And it is just such a pleasure to have Jenny with us today. Um, I know I asked you this question once at a meeting that you spoke at, Jenny, but I'm going to ask you again. What do you say to a company today that does not realize the importance of digital accessibility or thinks it's more like an option? Yeah, there's a very short answer to that. Um, Accessibility is an optional. It's just not. I mean, these are your employees. These are your customers. Um, your disability is over 70% invisible, so they're your employees and customers whether you know about it or not. Um, and if you don't know if your stuff is accessible, it's not. Um, and if, even if you ask about accessibility and you get kind of, well, I'm sure it is, or maybe it's not. So you're missing out. You're not being inclusive of your staff. You're not empowering people and, uh, and this segment of the customer base. You're missing out on sales. Um, you're not being inclusive broadly generally. So, I mean, it's just if you don't have an accessibility focus, if it's not part of your gates uh, of how you release your products, um, then you are, you're not being an inclusive employer um, and uh, inclusive of your customer base. So, I mean, it really is get on it um, at that stage. Yes, and you're losing possible revenues because what if people are trying to purchase a product from you and it is not accessible? You know, just as Jenny pointed out about, you know, employees with hidden disabilities, to me, this is a loss of revenues and of productivity in addition to just being wrong. You know, just being wrong because what you're really doing is eliminating part well, I should say separating, isolating part of your employee base. And what I always say to customers is, well, if it would be you, would you want it to be maybe or would you want it to be definite? What would you want? Um, and, you know, what would you want? You would want it to be accessible. And here comes our first question that relates to what I was going to ask you Uh, Jenny, which is, do you believe regulations like Section 508 of the Rehab Act will help or will happen? And the first question is from Linda in Kansas, and it is, Jenny, thank you for everything that you are doing, but for those of us with a hearing impairment, hard of hearing, or people who are deaf, how long do you think it will take to see the realization of accessibility across the United States? Wow. Um, so, great question. I, you know, I, um, and a tough one. Um, I, and I do think that there's lots of different viewpoints there. I mean, broadly, generally, we're, we're very supportive of regulations. I do think that 
we, we definitely use them as a benchmark ourselves and we aim to go above and beyond. Um, you know, I do think that it's very important to have those standards out there. Um, and also just gives us, gives us a good guide. Uh, as we aim to see what the power of technology can do. And technology can do so much, um, both what's within the regs and what, what the future holds. Technology moves at a pace that, that surprises me. Um, I do think one of the, the interesting areas of technology has been in both a voice recognition and also in image recognition. Um, as one example, Seeing AI was an app we launched just six months ago. Uh, for folks uh, with blindness, uh, it's a free app in the Apple Store, um, and you know, go go and download it and try it. But it's it really has lifted the bar of what's possible um, in terms of image recognition, uh, whether that's looking at handwriting on a Christmas card or um, you know, seeing if I was in front of you, Joyce, I'd take a picture of you, and it would tell me that there's a beautiful. Uh, female smiling in front of me, uh, clearly about 40 years old, um, and it would give that approximation because it's very gentle and kind. And I do think when you come to deafness, we're seeing some of the same possibilities come into play when it comes to captioning and transcription and translation. Uh, there's an app also out there called Microsoft Translator uh, that I use on a daily basis. Um, that does give you the power to to translate spoken word into any number of 55 or, or plus languages. It could be more than that. But also you can go English to English or French to French, which is real-time translation and real-time captioning. Um, and I think the, the future possibility is how we look at then embedding that into some of our core fame frameworks, our core communication vehicles. And I guess I, I remember, you know, I have deafness myself, and I remember 20 years ago sitting in a company and them telling me that real-time real -time captioning, real-time translation was on its way. It was very close to being there. And I remember sniffing going, no, it's not. The accuracy is, of this is appalling. Um, and I, you know, it's only now that I can honestly realistically say that I think it is going to make a difference in our lives in the very near term. Um, so I get very excited about the future. I think the power of AI, um, artificial intelligence, is really going to open a lot of doors for us um, in the next few years. Okay. Well, let me just tell you, her recognition of my photo is not accurate, but that's okay. Thank you for the compliment. Um, so you better get new uh, technology there, Jenny. That is not working. Um, okay. We have, we have another question here from Ted in Maryland. Jenny, I know you speak frequently in the United States about accessibility as I see you and follow you. My question is, what is this like in Europe compared to the United States? Um, what, what is this like? I mean, I, there's lots of ways to take your question, Ted, so keep us honest if you've got some more specific avenue you wanted to go down. Um, I'm clearly from Europe. I'm, I'm very British. Uh, I lived there for a good 30 years. And, um, you know, I, I would say in a lot of way, ways, the UK versus America, while we speak very different languages, um, in terms of accessibility is on a par in terms of their, their absolute passion for this space. 
um, the strength of the disability community. And I see a lot of that also within Europe. Um, and so whether that's uh, you know, the strength of the deaf communities, blind communities, as well as the passion for more accessibility regulation um, and building those standards, whether that's buildings or technology, I see on a par. Now, I, I do think we can learn more from one another. Um, one of the things I'm very passionate about is best practices and how we share those across the shores. Um, I, I do think that's very important. And one of the things as I came into this role two years ago was making sure that my team uh, was not just based here in the U.S. Um, and so I do have a great guy sitting in, in the U.K. Uh, working with some of our partners across Europe. So, I, you know, it's something that I get very passionate about. I do think that there's other pockets of the globe that we want to spend more time in as well. Um, and so some of the technology we have could make a difference um, in, say, some of the schools out there. Um, and so I think there's nothing but opportunity as we look more globally uh, going forward. Okay. Uh, thanks, Jenny. Uh, a question I have now is, as you know, we have Section 508 of the Rehab Act and Section 503. However, it does not seem as if this has made as big of an impact as I thought it would. You know, what's your opinion on that? Um, I don't know that I, you know, I have a definitive opinion there, Joyce, to be honest. I do think that all these regulations are helpful to us. Um, in setting a bar and then giving us a guide of how we can not just achieve that but go beyond it, which is our goal. Um, I, I do think, you know, when I, when I step outside of the regulatory and I look at just some of the demographics, I, I can see where you're coming from there, and I agree with you. We just mentioned the unemployment rate, um, and I'm not seeing that shift, materially shift. Um, and we actually did some math just before the USBLN conference last summer um, that in order to make a 1% difference uh, on that uh, unemployment rate, uh, corporate America would need to hire an additional approximate half a million folks. Um, and I think that's a good guide. I mean, the, the scale of impact we're looking for is big. Um, but again, I do think that's possible in the next five to ten years. I think we've got to just work together. Um, and, you know, that's why I love organizations like USBLN uh, that brings together the best practices from across companies. We literally sit in the room and say, how are you doing that? And we all share uh, because we know we can learn from one another. We're all in different sectors and in different industries. But by sharing the best practice, we're going to help move one another forward. This isn't an area we compete in. Um, so, you know, that's, that's what I really, that's why I invest so much time um, in that organization and others. Um, because I think we can't do this as one company. Microsoft has 110,000 employees. It's not going to be hiring a half million more um, in the next five years. So it, it's, We've got to work together, and I think that's the, the most important part of this. Yeah, I agree with you. You mentioned the USBLN, and uh, congratulations, Jenny, to have you as the chair of the board. And, I mean, I believe you are going to make yeah. incredible change wow. and good and helpful. Um, maybe you can talk about the USBLN. Uh, what is the mission and, you know, how, what does it entail? How are companies involved? And also, what does it mean to you? 
So the USBLN, United States Business Leadership Network, is an NGO that focuses on bringing businesses together um, across sectors, across the states, and now beginning to go a little bit offshore uh, to share best practices, whether that's about disability inclusion, supply chain, um, works with students coming in, so rising leaders, uh, has the Disability Equality Index, which is something you know you hold near and dear as it's a partnership with the AAPD. And, and, you know, it's funny, I, I have been uh, involved with the USBLN for about eight years. I sat in the back of the room at one of their first conferences with my mouth kind of falling towards the floor. Um, and I remember listening to some of what I call the disability royalty, uh, talking about how they've been able to make a difference. And um, I, I just remember Walgreens winning an award many, many years ago and just sitting there going, we got to do something. We got to do this. Um, and tears rolling down my face, but walking out completely resetting a new course. Uh, for what I wanted to do personally and what I wanted the company I worked in, Microsoft, to be doing. Um, and I wasn't the only one. Um, so I think it's been, I, I'm so humbled to be part of it. I learn daily from the people I get to work with. I learn an incredible amount from Jill Houghton, the CEO. Um, and it, it's really about this non-compete, gorgeous goal of how we go after driving inclusion of people with disabilities and systematically working with companies to ensure that it's part of their long-term approach. So it ain't nothing but goodness, I think, is the bottom line. Um, and I want to see more learn from the richness that comes from this. Um, you know, I think, again, if, if we've got a goal, I have a goal. I know you have a goal of changing the unemployment rate. This is an incredible vehicle to do it in, um, along with many other organizations also going after some of those areas. So um, I can't, can't recommend more. Um, just go and invest your time in, in the USBLN, in AAP, any of these NGOs, uh, because, again, the better together is, is the mantra. Um, together we can move the needle on this stuff. Uh, no, no man's an island. I, I guess is the right analogy. I picked the right analogy for once. That, that'll shock my team. Um, I'm always full of terrible analogies. Well, that is a good analogy because I will say to companies listening to the show right now, you are really missing out if you do not attend the USBLN conference. It is absolutely awesome and every year it gets bigger and bigger. One year 600 then 800, you know, now 1000. I mean, I, and Jill Houghton, our executive director, is fabulous. I mean she is so great and I believe she and the board with leadership like Jenny have taken us so far and that disability equality index is really helping companies in so many areas <clears throat> and you apply for this you get a uh, package showing you you know what you would have to do to even be involved and then you go through this process and these companies are seeing a change in their diversity and their inclusion and their uh, productivity and how they are seen in the business community. So, you know, it's just all good. It's all good. This year, that conference is in Las Vegas. 
All you have to do is go to usbln.org and you can read all about it. And as I said, if you go, you saw the impact it had on Jenny. If you go, you will not be disappointed. You will be invigorated after you attend this. And with that, we're going to go to break. Hey, if you just tuned in, we have the Dynamo. Jenny Lay Flurry, Chief Accessibility Officer from Microsoft. Don't go away. We'll be right back. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Rick Harrison from Stars. I'm here to talk to you about the Epilepsy Foundation. I had bad seizures until I was a teenager. I thought I wouldn't have a chance to grow up, but I dared to think differently. My epilepsy taught me to be a fighter. When I said I wanted to make a TV series about my pawn shop, people thought I was nuts. But I dared to defy the odds, and Pawn Stars was born. If you have epilepsy, dare to live your fullest potential. The Epilepsy Foundation will help you dare. Visit epilepsy.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.vendorconsult.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back, everyone. We are talking to Jenny Lay Flurry, CAO at Microsoft. You heard me say what a dynamo she is. Now, we have a rock star as our call-in. Jill Houghton, are you on that line? I'm here. How are you, Jill? Uh, I'm awesome, and I'm just so uh, excited about the opportunity to call in on your show and, you know, get to hear our uh, board chair at the U.S. Business Leadership Network, Jenny LaFleury. I want to talk about rock stars. What an amazing story that, you know, a woman 
from corporate America comes to the USBLN and sits in the back of the room eight years ago and look at her. She's the chief accessibility officer at Microsoft and is busy changing the world. And I'm just deeply honored to have her as our, as our board chair and to have the opportunity to work together and enjoy with you too. I mean, you're, I, I met you years ago when the BLN was first founded and you're an amazing force. Um, and it's such an honor to work with you as well and have you be one of our very first certified disability-owned businesses. Yeah, well, uh, before I allow Jenny to make a comment, I just want to say that story she told also had an impact on me. I thought, wow, eight years ago she's sitting in the back of the room. Now she's the chair of the board which is amazing. But anyway, Jenny, what would you like to say to Ms. Jill Houghton? Um, well, I, I'd like to throw it back at her, clearly. I mean, good grief. She was the one standing at the front of the room. Um, all of us stand in Jill's wake. Um, and and I, I wouldn't honestly be here if it wasn't for her support and mentorship over the years. And I do think that people with disabilities need the kind of mentorship and support that Jill and others provide. It's a crucial component. Um, so I, I'm sitting here like literally doing the bow down action um, to Jill and to you, Joyce. I, you know, I stand in the wake of you guys. And um, anyway, let's, can we just mutually hug and move on? <laughs> yes, we all stand together. So let's hug and right, move on. Right. <laughs> British people are not very good at this. We kind of go, yeah, that's nice, and move on. Um, so, yeah, we'll, but no, I'm hugging virtually. Non-hugging. Now I know why you shirked me when I tried to hug you, Jenny. Now I know. I'm just kidding, of course. <laughs> that's a little I'm joke. All about that was my I'm attempt at humor. <laughs> hey, Jill, I just want you to know. Before, when we were talking, uh, Jenny did comment about your incredible leadership. And as I told everyone, I mean, you have taken the USBLN, uh, you know, light years ahead and so many people attending. And that gala is just unbelievably awesome. So, you know, my hat's off to you. I love you. I think you're just doing a fabulous job. And I am with you, Jill. Well, I thank you, Joyce. We have an incredible, incredible team at USBLN. And the reason why we have such an amazing team is because we have an awesome board. And it is just it's a real honor to have Jenny LaFleury as our board chair. Um, she's really leading the organization. And, and as she talked about, we're moving beyond the U.S. borders. And we're doing that under her leadership and just really excited um, for 2018 and for years to come because we got a lot of work to do and we need to do it together. So thank you. Well, thank you, Jill, and thank you so much for calling in. Absolutely. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Um, such a great person she is. Hey, uh, Jenny, you were talking, uh, and it is, of course like the heart and soul of everything that I'm fighting for, and that is the employment of people with disabilities. What do you think we can do? What do you think we can do to increase this? And why do you think this is so hard? It's as Tony Coelho said to me the other day, 
Americans with Disabilities Act, signed in 1990. What has happened since then? Many good things. You know, Braille, TTY, uh, curb cuts, the ability to buy a house, accessibility at buildings, uh, the ability to ride on a Greyhound bus, the ability to go on an interview and them not ask you, what medicine do you take? I mean, there are so many great things. I could just keep going on, except the one needle that is not moved is employment, which is so frustrating and sad and makes me so angry. Why do you think that is? You know, I, I think there's, you could write several books on, on you know, why things haven't moved the way that we hoped they would. I, I think I'm very future focused here though. Um, you know, and I, the, we're all approaching this with, with slightly different strategies, but I think there's a lot of core, um, core things that are involved. I mean, our approach here at Microsoft is really a, a few key things. I think, one, you've got to be a great role model employer yourself. Um, it, it's actually fairly easy for us in some ways because we have a the, – the actual mission of the company is to empower every person and every organization on the planet. Well, that includes disabilities inherent within uh, the, the title of the mission. Um, and so for us to have a focus on having people with disabilities and talent with disabilities as part of our company is a no-brainer. I mean, it's also a no-brainer technically. If we're going to ensure that accessibility, that our products, our services, our websites are accessible, we have to have the experts as part of our core uh, fabric. Um, and that, that is talent with disabilities. So one, you've got to be a role model. And, and for us, that's meant that we've got to really look at our inclusive hiring processes. Uh, you've got to have disability loud and proud out there. But transparency on what accommodations are and how those work and the, the fact that the costs for accommodations are never seen by a manager. Um, and um, we put all of that on a website, Microsoft.com slash inclusive hiring. So anyone and everyone can see it. You can quickly see the jobs that have the word accessibility in them um, as one example. You've also then got to spur certain segments and the one that we've zoomed into, one of many that we've zoomed into, but the one that gets most of the attention right now is autism. Um, and you know, that's an area that we, we started looking at a few years ago because we could see the unemployment and underemployment rate there being way over 80%. And no logical reason why, because the college education bar is incredibly high. And it really is about the interview process. And so we ditched the interview process and came up with a new one with some partners that, that we work with. Um, and that uh, autism program, you know, we started that. SAP were way ahead of us. Um, and But now there's nearly 50 companies working together in a consortium to really focus in on bringing talent with autism in and learning from that so you can scale it um, and you can take it to the bigger numbers. But I also think there's technology. I mean, one of the biggest empowerment factors that we have is technology. And clearly, I work in a tech company, um, so I may be a little biased, but I also think just given how, you know, 20 years ago, 27 years ago, 28 years ago, Technology wasn't on everyone's desk. It is now. And so it's never been more important to have technology in your company that does allow you to do anything and everything from checking an email um, to building a core cool part of infrastructure if you're a developer. So, you know, I think 
how we get that technology into kids' hands, into the home, into work and life. Um, and our, our approach for the most part is to just embed it within what you pick up off the shelf, put it into the product so it's not an additional cost and it's just there when you need it because, as you know, disability comes in and out. Um, you can develop at any time and become, you know, become part of our core gang. So, yeah, I think there's multiple, there's many other layers to it, but I do think that we have a responsibility as companies to really focus here uh, and to build those best practices and to share them um, so that we can make a bigger impact going forward. Well, you know, uh, people from the deaf community have a very difficult time gaining employment. Do you think, like, for example... Do you think the USBLN, to a degree, could help change that perception? You know, I, uh, I'm a passionate member of the deaf community. Um, I've been uh, deafness in my family, um, you know, my sister and I, and uh, mine's been progressive. I'm profoundly severely deaf, but very deceptively so. Um, and, you know, my speech is pretty good. I mean, it's bloody excellent, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> and so I, I have been able to, you know, walk in a room and, and I'm invisible um, unless they see my ASL interpreter, who's another Brit sitting next to me, Belle, um, who allows me to understand what's happening in every room. And I think my own journey is interesting to this purely because I've gone through, uh, I've gone through that journey of not self-identifying, of not asking for what I needed to be successful and then realizing that if I was going to be successful, I had to see my disability as the strength that it is and ask for what I needed. Um, and I, I very much flipped a bit on that over a series of years. And so I do think uh, I've gone through some employers, some managers who haven't understood what it is to have a deaf employee and what it means and how to be truly inclusive of that talent um, and others who have been simply phenomenal. And so I do think with deafness, there's a lot of education needed. People have got to wake up to the talent that's in front. Um, But communication doesn't always have to be verbal. Um, And that it isn't hard to build an inclusive environment, inclusive of deafness, inclusive of autism. It just takes a little bit of, of forethought. Um, I'm working with great partners. You know, here, if any employee joins the company, uh, we, we work with the Hearing, Speech, and Deafness Center here in Seattle. They come in and they help us train the, the manager, the peers, and the team so they know how to ensure that that employee, and that employee knows that that team is behind them. They know the strategies and techniques, uh, how to have great communication. And they see that individual as a strength that they are. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I think that's, a, again, some beautiful but simple things that can be done to be truly inclusive. And that's not just about deafness. And so I, I do think that the USBLN is powerful, that CSD, there's, NAD, uh, I mean, so many amazing organizations, uh, but ultimately it's, it's, it's not rocket science. You've got to just breathe, ask for help. If, you're, if you are a person with a disability, self-identify, allow your employer to bring it um, and really just go for it and um, see how far you can go. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned CSD. They were just in my office today, and I was telling them, I become so upset 
when I go to a company and I say, oh, I have this candidate, we will need an accommodation, an interpreter, because this person is deaf. And they say to me, well, wait a minute. If we hire them, how are they going to communicate? They can't use the phone. And I say, okay, did you ever hear of smartphones, instant message, video relay? I mean, I could go on and on. But, you know, there is still an ignorance, understanding. And I have hired many people who are deaf, and two of them work for the National Security Agency, you know, a premier intelligence agency. So this idea that people who are deaf will not be able to uh, work at a company or a federal agency is absolutely ludicrous. Uh, And Jenny, I'm glad you're involved in the deaf community. See, this is what I mean about a disability rights leader, because we do need people, you know, standing up and saying, hey, this person can do this job. And I also want to comment on another point you made. I'll have companies say to me, oh, Joyce, we brought you in because we've never hired people with disabilities before, and you can help us. And I say, oh, yes, you have. Yeah, they're sitting in your company right now. They're hard of hearing, deaf, uh, MS, epilepsy, depression, I could go on and on with all these hidden disabilities. It's just they're afraid to tell you. But they are working for you right now, which, as you pointed out early, about the high percentage of people who are, um, in this case, hidden disabilities working at companies. Don't you agree with me? You know, I I totally and utterly do. And the one thing that I've definitely learned, I I don't use the phone. Uh, I don't hear speech. And I used to think that I had to adapt my world to be able to use a phone. I now see the world differently. The world has to adapt to me. Um, And the goodness is that it's beginning to. My voicemail says, thanks for calling. Really pointless. I'm not going to listen to your voicemail. I am deaf and proudly so. Um, Please text message me or send me an email. Um, Now, that wasn't possible 30 years ago, clearly. And so I think technology is moving forward, and I think there's an exciting future. But, you know, be proud of of who you are. And um, that was my journey, my learning. Um, And I do think that disability is over 70% invisible. When I hired my team, uh, you know, coming into this role two years ago, uh, I knew that I had about 50% disability. I'll tell you that number is significantly higher. And what I know two years later is that I I hired people for the talent they brought and the mad skills that they had. But I inadvertently also hired great people with hidden disabilities who have now self-identified. If you create a safe place, if you build the right processes into your company, the talent comes. Yeah. That is absolutely true because they see you are inclusive and disability friendly and until you do that, they will not self-identify. So good for you, Jenny. Uh, And I like what you said that you don't have to adapt. We have to adapt to you. I love that. And that is so true. So, Jenny, here you are. Look how much you've accomplished in your career. Um, And my question is... Who is your role model? 
<laughs> um, oh, my role model. I, you know, the role model that I had growing up was a lady called Evelyn Glennie. Um, I went to every concert I could. She is a deaf Scottish percussionist. And you know, given that growing up I was going to be the next rock star musician, um, she just wowed me. She was the first female soloist percussionist. Um, and she just got on with it. It wasn't about the deafness. It was about how she could be an amazing musician and everything that she did and still does today. I, you know, and I think if I look to my role models now, um, I still have several role models as musicians. I think once you're a musician, you're always a musician. I recently met Mandy Harvey, uh, who was in America's Got Talent, um, and a phenomenal musician, also has deafness, um, and you know, just blows my mind, and a, a clear, also clearly Marley Matlin. But I also look to um, the business community, and I think one of my... The biggest person that I've learned so much from and I look to is, is our own CEO, Satya Nadella, who is just a prominent, um, incredible leader. Uh, he's you know, kind, curious, uh, passionate, um, and has helped to set an incredible charter for disability inclusion and accessibility at Microsoft. So I, I have a variety. I don't, I don't think, I, I mean, I, I don't have one, clearly. I have many, um, and I think you should. Um, but uh, I, I still, I keep an eye out. I mean, Mandy Harvey is, if you haven't heard her play, go see one of her concerts. She's out and about right now. I have. Not on TV, not at a con- not at a concert, uh, and yes, that is awesome. Absolutely, she is awesome. And you know what, Jenny? Thank goodness we have you uh, at Microsoft and accessibility because who knew you could have been Lady Gaga? You know how you wanted to be this rock star, but here oh, we no, have you. No. No, 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 I'm going to stop you there. That, that would never, I, in fact, my interpreter has now lost it. Um, thanks for that choice. Uh, that would never, ever have happened. Uh, I really wasn't that good, let's be clear. Um, but um, thank you, thank you, though. That's very kind, but no. <laughs> I'll be saying the Lady Gaga of Microsoft. Jenny Leigh Flurry. Okay, so Jenny, you have accomplished... Look what you've done. Came here to the United States. Uh, as you said, you wanted to be a musician. You didn't even have this in your purview. And here you are in this role. So tell me, if you had to say what you, your greatest accomplishment is, what would it be? Yeah. Um. By the way, I'm, I, I want to stress. I'm really early in my career. Can we? Can we just? You know, I'm. I'm not. I'm. I'm. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, she's not as old as I am. She is very early in her career. <laughs> uh, you know, I honestly, I think uh, I got asked this recently, and I don't think my answer's changed. I think my proudest accomplishment was being a part of the disability and still being a, a member of the disability community here at Microsoft. Um, you know, in the, the last sort of 11, 12 years, I've been at Microsoft 13 years now, and um, it, was, it was my first foray into this world. I didn't join Microsoft to be an accessibility uh, leader. Um, I joined to work on Hotmail in Europe. Um, 
you know, but I joined the deaf group when I was struggling and I think I then joined every other group that I could find because I'm very nosy and curious. But I think I've learned more from being a member of that community than I have in any other aspect of my world and be able to watch that community grow, build, to make a difference in how we work, to make a difference in our building protocols here at Microsoft, in our products. Um, in our benefits. I mean, just seeing the power of, of how an employee resource group, an ERG, what it can have on the future trajectory of a company the size of Microsoft. I think I, I'm proudest to be a member of that community and, and just see the impact that it can have over, you know, over 10 years. Um, so I, I think that's really, when, when I look back, that's the one that gives me the inner glow, if you like. Um, you know, maybe one day I'll turn into Lady Gaga, but for now I'll stick with being a, a strong member of the ERG. <laughs> okay, so uh, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? Yeah, I, I think there is uh, maybe a couple of things. I think we people, we got work to do. Um, let's get on it and let's work together. Um, I am always, always listening to what we can do better as a company, I please, I mean, we, we do not claim to be perfect by any way, shape, or form. So please just let me know. Uh, we have a user voice forum. Just type Microsoft Accessibility User Voice. Um, check out our website, microsoft.com slash accessibility. Uh, and, you know, let's work together. Um, I, I really do think that we have an opportunity to ensure that we deliver a new future uh, for our employees, our customers, our friends, our families. And um, I, I really believe that we can do that. I think technology is a big part of it, um, but working together is, is the key. So that's what I would say, Joyce. Yes, and I agree. And once again, you know, if you do have any ideas, please reach out to Jenny because she really does take this seriously, very passionate about this. And as she said, we need all the ideas, all the team working together, young and old. You know, a young person, we want to hear what you have to say. So make sure you follow up and get in touch with this. Jenny, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you, Joyce. This has been super fun, and and thank you for what you do every single day and every hour of your life. Uh, We are indebted to you. Thank you. And we end every show with a quote, and today it just had to be Stevie Wonder who said, we need to make every single thing accessible for every single person with a disability, how true that is. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week with my guest, Joe Strecce. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.